Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Let's Do Brunch. Um, thank you so much for all the love. Thank you for listening to our very first episode last week. Thank you for subscribing. Yeah, we really felt the love, especially on social media. But yeah, today we have another exciting episode, I think. Well, depending on how you look at it, but for me, I think it's going to be an exciting one and an interesting one because of what we're going to be talking about. Um, so today I'm having brunch with Tumelo Moleleki. I'm saying it right, right? <laughs> My indebted tongue, it's, yeah, it, it will get used to it, but it's Tumelo Moleleki. Um, Tumelo is someone that I look up to, especially when it comes to, uh, to things to do with literature and writing, because she's a writer herself. And um, Tumelo and I met through independent authors of South Africa, IASA, which is a brand new association that has just been formed, and she's the founding chairperson of that association. And just to read a bit of her bio, so she's an IT consultant who happens to be a voracious reader and an enthusiastic writer. She has published six fictional titles, you can see some of them here, um, and two non-fiction titles which talk about share trading and investment lingo. So that part got me excited. I was like, okay, we have to bring her back to talk about investments. <laughs> and then uh, the, the other non-fiction book is called Senyete Sachelete, and it is narrated in Sesotho. It is her aim and wish to not only improve the culture of reading, but to enrich the lives of those who read her words. Her fiction titles fall under the category of contemporary fiction, and her first book was released in January of 2012. So as far back as 2012, you were already independently releasing books. So yeah, you're a way maker in, in this space. But welcome to Melo. Thank you, Zui. Thank you for having me. It's really good to have you here, and I'm excited. I'm excited too. <laughs> yeah, and what an emotional week it has been this yes. week. Yeah, with wow. everything happening with gender-based violence and we've been the crying. murders. We've been crying. I mean, okay, so I think as women we've been crying for years, but this week probably, you know, if someone were to collect all our tears, they'd probably, you know, maybe fill a sea if yeah. there was ever an empty space that's big enough to be a sea. Yeah. Because we've been we've been really hurt by, you know, everything that's happening and, you know, for the xenophobic violence to also, you know, add to the mix. Yeah. Sort of taking some of the attention, you know, even away from the Yeah. You know, the 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 struggle that we've been having with yeah. with safety and yeah you know. yeah yeah it's it's been it's been quite a an emotional weekend it's it's quite heartbreaking just yeah seeing everything that's happening and you you almost wonder if you you should be able to say to someone stay safe because how do they stay safe if yes. they are not even going to be safe in a post office I mean <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah that it's that crazy. was that was like the craziest thing because I was thinking you know when you go to the actually when you go to any public space you tell yourself that number one if it's a you know a service provision public space. You tell yourself that you are reasonably safe there. Yeah. You know that you, you know, there's an element of danger to you as a woman. It's it's generally, it's yeah. how we, we have conscientized ourselves to know that just because yeah. a place feels safe doesn't mean it is it's for us. It's necessarily safe. Yeah. So you know to think that you could just leave your house with a collection slip, to go to the post office, get there, and, 
request your thing, find that, okay, you have to pay. Because you don't always know if you're going to have to pay. pay or not. And the post office yeah. is going to ask you for cash. Yeah. You can't swipe. So now you have to go and get cash. Yeah. And someone says, oh, well, you, I guess, arrived 30 minutes before we're going to close. close. If you won't be here, you know, within, back within 30 minutes, then we'll probably be closed. But hey... I'll yeah. do you a favor, I'll stay 10 minutes more, I'll yeah. stay an hour more yeah. for you because I understand, you know, that this is um, a situation that, you know, is kind of like unexpected for yeah. you. So you tell yourself that this is a, a trusted employee because, I mean, why else would uh, yeah. the government or whoever represents... Why would they that have employed the, the person? Has, yes, yeah. have employed them without yeah. doing the due diligence. Yeah. So to find out that, you know, someone can use such a space... Yeah. Uh, to perpetuate violence against women. Uh, what concerns me, and it's something that I've seen happening since, I guess, you know, I was aware that we're celebrating um, August number one yeah, as Women's, women's Month. Month yeah. um, you know, it, it starts with a friend of mine that was married um, the year before. It was around 2008, my friend got married. December 2008, my friend got married, right? So, um, in 2009... August the 9th, that uh, holiday, public holiday, yeah. that was the time that I said, okay, I can come visit you because, you know, it's difficult for me to come and visit you anytime. Sometimes on the weekend, she's got plans, like she's, you know, a, a, yeah. new, a new mother and a yeah, new wife. Yeah. So we arranged that we were going to see each other that day. And I rock up to her house. She has been assaulted by her husband. Mm. It's the 9th. It's Women's yeah. Day. Yeah. Of Women's Month. Yeah. And that's what I got confronted with. Yeah. And I started thinking about, you know, all the Augusts in the past. I'm like, yeah. it almost looks like men want to sock it to us. Yeah. On this month where we say we want to put the focus on people must be aware of what we go through as mm. women every day. Instead, they want to show us just how much more they can victimize yeah. us and kill yeah. us, yeah. maim us yeah. on that particular on that month. Particular it's month. almost like they pl they yeah. plan it or maybe it's some yeah. kind of full moon kind of thing where... Yeah, it's like... Yeah, they just rise up against us. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But anyway, yeah, I think we will need another episode to unpack to all unpack this. That. That because it's a, it's a very emotional discussion. It it's a very emotional conversation. But it needs to be had. Like, it's a conversation that cannot be ignored, you know? Almost like the conversation that we're going to have today. That yes, also yes, cannot be ignored. That, that's also another one. Of those that's another topics. one. <laughs> yeah, so today we're talking all things black text. Anything to do with black text. And our conversation is based on the book Black Text. It's a brand new book. Uh, both Dumeru and I have read it. It's, it's Black Text Burden or Ubuntu, edited by Nick Nkongo. Yes. And it features essays from a number of uh, South African and non-South African writers as well. Yes. But most of our favorites are We are, we are actually very proud that we have some uh, IASA members. Members, that yes. That yes. That, so. Yeah, that's, that's, I saw that and so I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> yes. um, from being ostracized or being othered to being included in a mainstream. Kids. This is like mainstream because yes. this is Nick Mkongo. This yes. is like proper mainstream. Yes. So it's it's quite exciting. Hey, names like Dudubusani Dube, one of our members. Yes. Um, Sunya T, one of our members, and then other authors as well. Fred Kumalo, Mohale Mashiko, 
Tanduklo Rojiga, Fisomzobe, Lucas Lidwaba, and many others. So yes. it's, it's quite an exciting collection of, of essays. And um, as the title says, Black Text, Burden, or Ubuntu. What do you think? <laughs> okay, so, you know, I mean, yesterday I actually sat down and thought if I were invited as part of, of that collection, for example, and I had to write, you know, an essay about black text, what, like, what would I say? Because this, for me, there's so much and there's also the difference with the way we look at black text or how we relate to black text as, yeah. as, you know, different people with different backgrounds, you know, I mean, black text can manifest itself in your life, you know, as um, mm. basically you um, starting a homeless shelter, you know, and taking care of these enfranchised black people who basically find themselves homeless or black children or whatever yeah. the case may be or rescuing the abductees yeah you know and giving them a place of hope yeah. because that that is you know a form of taxation on on your resources yeah because it's it's time resources it's emotional resource it's yeah. financial resources yeah and at the end of the day you know we don't have trees to pick money from so it means it's your own money from your yeah. pocket yeah. where you have to dig deep to yeah, get that. To get so that. I'll read a little bit of what I what I wrote in connection with myself. Yeah. If I think about, you know, what I would say black text, text is. is. Yeah. So I went something like this. Black text is when you have to pay for the choices of others. Your mother decides to have your sister, then you, then your brother and your other brother. Now, you might say that she didn't know that, you know, sex was the cause of babies before she had my sister. But to have me, my brother, and my other brother was yeah. not a consequence of ignorance. She knew what she was doing. Yeah. Right. To her, perhaps, we were like retirement investments, wow. you know. Yeah. But in this case, it's like she's someone in a high-risk appetite. The kind of investment is risky and long-term. Cashing in early can make or break you. But in terms of her investments, she didn't have a definite time horizon, more like a speculative term. Because of the risk associated with this investment, the rewards have the potential to be very fulfilling. But like all risky investments, the chances of losing your invested capital are high and can be unexpected. Should this loss occur, it can vary from mild to abysmal. Wow. Okay, so you, you just made me feel guilty <laughs> because I've got two kids, I've got two boys and they love sport. Yes. And I always say about the older one, Jaden, because he's hinted before that he would want to become a professional soccer player. Yes. And I've said, okay, that's my retirement plan. <laughs> so already I'm planning his black tax yes. way in advance. He doesn't even realize that I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's like my retirement yes. investment, you know. But, you know, so what you just read, I want to relate it to something in the book, like when you read the very first essay by Dudubusani Dube. Yes. And she's talking about how she, when she goes back home and she has to give her mother a lift together with her mother's friends, you know? Yes. Everybody feels yes. entitled to, to, to catching a lift with her. That's one part. But then the other part, she talks about her father's history. Mm -hmm. Because you are saying, um, um, so parents make these choices, right? Yes. But when she was talking about her father's history, I realized that there's so much more that is not a choice. 
because she's talking about how her father started working when he was 10 years old. You know, so already he was paying black tax as young as 10 years old. And I thought about the conversation that I recently had with my own father when he was telling me how as a child he would spend a whole year working at like maybe at a farm or wherever so that they could the afford, year, he could, he could go, go to, to school. school. And eventually it was obviously a losing battle so he never went that far with school at, until later on when he could pay for himself. You know yes. what I mean? So it's like, do we judge our parents too harshly? when it comes to black tax? Well, not really. I mean, choices are a part of life. To say choices doesn't necessarily mean... I mean, every moment of our lives, we're making choices. Yeah. You make the choice to go somewhere or not to go somewhere. Yeah. To, to you know, even breathing, you know, to decide uh, to hold your breath or to just keep breathing. We're making those choices. Just because a choice, you know, is or can bring unwanted consequences or is made in ignorance does not make it less of a choice yeah, right? yeah. so in Dudu's father's case for example he um made a choice that was brought on maybe by, by coercion or by the situation that was happening that Is okay still he choice, needs to though? work he needs to work yeah so he has to he, he can choose to say no right yeah but that choice is is, is less favorable mm. he can say no I don't want to do this. I want to be a child. You yeah. Know? But how, how assertive can you be when your parent says, this is what you must do? And you're only 10 years old. Yes. Yeah. So even the parents, when they had, you know, there's this thing that um, where I come from, in the village I come from, we've got families that sometimes have as many kids as like 12, 13. And you yeah. wonder, okay, you guys are poor. Right. Yeah. We are struggling as a village, you know. I mean, yeah. there's nobody here who's high-flying, yeah. who's going to employ all of you, you know, so that you can thrive. We are all struggling. And you decide to have yeah. 13 mouths to feed. Yeah. What is the logic? Yeah. And then um, when you talk to you older people, they'll tell you that, well, in the olden days, let's say maybe that philosophy comes from the time when people had land, People used to till, you know, like people had to, to yeah. work the land to yeah. eat. And the kids so were the, the labor. the kids, the more the labor you <laughs> the had. The so they could yeah. afford to feed the children because they could afford to, to till more land and yeah. produce more crop and produce more food. So yeah. then, you know, you can understand the logic of why the numbers made sense. Yeah. But even, so what happened was this... I think, you know, habit that sometimes people have of adopting something without asking why it is done that way. That way, yeah. You just ab adopt and carry on. You call it, it's our culture or it's yeah. our custom. Yeah. You see, you don't even ask, why did we have 11 children in the past? Yeah. So that you know if you still need to be having 11 kids in this day and age because your situation is different it's from different, yeah. the situation of those people who yeah. made that decision at that, time. at that time. So those are still all choices. They yeah. are still all choices. And you reminded me that even now, if you are married and you, you happen to have one or two kids, how many times have you heard the in-laws saying, how can you only have two kids? Like... A woman is supposed to have five, six, whatever number of kids. And you're like, uh, who's going to take care of those kids? You yes, know? Yes. So it, it goes back to making choices without understanding like the history behind it and why it was done in that and particular even, way. 
like poorly understanding the future consequences of yes. those choices yeah. because you know it may be that let's say you have children now the in-laws are alive they are vibrant you know they can help you take care of the little ones you know uh, mind them when you have to go somewhere yeah. you know when you have to go to work grandma is there to take care of them and when they start to go to school of course you know um if they live closer grandma can walk them to school, to school until they yeah. know how to walk themselves yeah. and grandma is there when they come back you know or granddad you know I yeah. mean if they are able to and but then also so there's someone in in the book i can't remember who's who wrote the essay about um an old grandmother who is taking care of their grandchild because the mother died so so yeah so the mother died and umtwana has to live with ugogo so ugogo has to take care of that child and because sometimes we often think of black tax with this severe mentality of so it's the one that is working that has got money that yes. has to take care of everyone else yes. so for me it was like okay so this is another form of black tax when now an old grandmother she wants to retire she wants to enjoy her yes. final years on this earth but here she is she Running has to after take, a toddler and so the, and now the girl is even grown up and this grandmother has to wake up early in the morning we are telling her to cook and to sell to taxi drivers so that she is can very go old to school so that the child can go to school so black tax is not always uh, um the one who is educated taking care of everybody else it could be the other way yes around no, as no, well black tax has many many facets and yes we find that you know the I don't know the plight or maybe the people who make the most noise about it because our grandparents just take it in their stride that okay you know if there's children to take care of they'll take care of them yeah. they they if if maybe they were lamenting yeah. it we might have heard about black tax in their time but we hear about black tax because the people who are lamenting it are us you yeah. know the the people who are working i i like i recently read an article where i found out that okay i'm what everybody calls middle class because apparently middle class is anybody who earns a net income between 1.5 and 40000 wow so, <laughs> that's kind of wide so uh, such range. you know a wide wide yeah. de- definition that encompasses yeah. so many people yeah. all of them called middle class and all of these people are the financial breadwinners mm. in, in 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 their households so those are the ones that i get complain more about uh, mm. black tax because they like i think they thinking about it in terms of money you know they're yeah. not they they not thinking about it in terms of time because people don't always remember that time is money your yeah. time is money yeah. so yeah, if you waste time then you waste a chance to make money or to yeah. to, to earn some yeah. kind of uh, value you know yeah. out of out, out of the time that you've been given yeah and so say something in the book she says uh, this this middle class is just one paycheck away from poverty. Yes. And you know that it really hits hard because the the day when you lose your job you realize what actually without that job you're just you're in poverty. You're yes. poor. You because are. we we don't save enough and the system doesn't allow us to save enough. We've got black tax, we've got a history of um poverty in our families in in our bloodlines. 
So at what point do you get out of the cycle? Like, how do you break the cycle? Someone actually said in the book that the cycle is never going to be broken. Yeah, someone, uh, I think it was a, a guy from Zimbabwe who was talking about the cycle is bound or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not impossible to get out of it. For us as a country, the crisis here is that none of us uh, saw the importance of financial, you know, um, literacy. So meaning that white people brought this concept and told us this is how money works and we accepted the minimum information that they gave us. Mm. So we have a poor relationship with money because of that. Yeah. And to, you know, to thrive or to make money, you have to understand the rules about money. If you don't understand the rules about money, you could be the biggest or the most yeah. paid person, but you can still die poor because you don't yeah. understand the yeah. economics of money. Yeah. For us, as a country, we need to go on a on a campaign yeah. to literate, if I can, I don't know, invent a word, you know, yeah. to create literacy around finances. That it's not just about knowing that if I have 50 rand and the bread costs 20 rand, that I'm expecting 30 rands back. Yeah. That's not knowing about yeah. money. It's knowing how money can multiply itself. Yeah. It's knowing how money but, can... You know, I'm thinking as you're talking, so there is, I understand the, the financial literacy, but then how do you undo the history of it all? Because you, you might be taught financial literacy, fine, yes. but then the playing field is not level. So you, you, you walk into the workplace and let's say there's, there's a white person mm -hmm. or a privileged person and there's you yes. and you've got the same qualifications and you, let's say you earn the same salary, which is also high rate, but yes. let's say in this instance you're earning the exact same salary. Uh -huh. That person has got uh, uh, parents who are well off they don't need they any money. They probably already have a prepaid apartment or a down payment you know? on a bond that their parents have already, you know, exactly. given them a head start exactly. on. Yes. And then you come in and your parents are still living in a shack. Your siblings have got no prospects of a better future unless you pay school fees for them. So can we really just put it all down to financial literacy? Or maybe there's other things that need to be unpacked and other things from the past that need to be undone. I think we can put it to financial literacy because when you apply financial literacy in your life or when you understand the economies of money, you will know that to save today will lighten the load later. So mm -hmm. then you'll be able to make your family or whoever has to depend on you understand that the tough times are probably not going to be alleviated immediately. They'll go piecemeal as yeah. the time goes. Yeah. And so that means that with that salary of yours that has more obligations than the salary of your counterpart who doesn't have any such obligations, yeah. you yeah. have to be strict about a portion of your salary that you are going to save because the trick or how you open the door to better financial uh, opportunities is having lump sum in, uh, you know, uh, amounts. Yeah. If you've got a hundred rand, it's not going to get you anywhere. But if you've got yeah. 50,000 or a million, all of a sudden you can invest in things that can 
you know, uh, give you more money than that. But it could take you five to ten years yeah. to get there, right? Yeah. But if you're diligent, you say, yes, you know, we are struggling. Yes, um, we, we don't have bread now. So it means maybe even sometimes we have to go to the neighbors and ask for uh, that uh, milli meal, you know, that cup of yeah. milli meal yeah. just to eat. But you know that you are being strict every month. When in five or ten years' time, you know, you now are able to, you have this money that's actually generating extra income yeah. for you. Yeah. You can even be able to get that extra income, taking care of these things, yeah. you know, giving better opportunities to, to, to your family. And also yeah. now they get to also realize just why it is that you needed to save in the beginning, mm -hmm. why it is that you needed to be cruel. To yeah, be kind. to be kind. Yeah, so it so we we need to be having like deep conversations with our families because I find that in general and not just in relation to the book, but in yes. general, sometimes there is this expectation from family that and sometimes the expectations are quite unreasonable. So you'll find that maybe somebody is working and they are already struggling and they are taking care of the family, and there's someone in the family who believes that they should have a DSTV subscription every month. Mm -hmm. So those deep conversations of, um, I can buy you bread, yes. but I can't pay for DSTV. Exactly. I can buy you shoes, but they are not going to be... Cavella, Cavella or, or Nike, or <laughs> I'm yeah. going to buy you functional shoes so yes. you have something to wear you know, when you have to go to school or wherever it yeah. is that you need to go. Yeah. But you must take care of them as well, you know. Yeah. I might decide to spend a thousand rand to buy you a pair of shoes yeah. because these are good quality shoes. But I don't expect you maybe to come back to me in six months' time or in a year's time and yeah. you're asking for, you know, new shoes. Yeah. Of course, that sort of, you know, um, I guess rule, you would apply to someone who's already grown because you cannot tell a child that their yeah. foot mustn't grow, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, with your child, yeah. you may decide that, you know, um, the shoes at Pep are fine, you know, because Pep is, you know, cheaper. Yeah. But we know that pep shoes might not last them, you know, um, as long. six months, might yeah. not even last, depending, yeah. you know, how rowdy and ragged your child, you know, carries on. Yeah. It may not last, yeah. but, you know, it's, 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 I guess the pros and cons, it's a balancing the, act, it's a balancing act yeah. that you have to, to look at to say, okay, yeah. so I need to save in order to be able to get this one through school when they get to tertiary because well let's say now i don't have to pay for school fees because she's going to a government school or he's going to a government school mm. and you know i'm not if, if if i don't prepare for tomorrow i will become complacent you know and then when it hits me that i now yeah. need to pay fees for their education yeah i'm ill prepared for because sure. i never saved i never did anything i always thought the education was just gonna be you know yeah free in a way even though in the back of my mind i knew that when it got to tertiary it probably wouldn't be so free even if maybe let's say the delivery at the university is free still getting that child let there yeah. they're not gonna live in space they're not gonna float somewhere yes yeah so they will yeah. need uh, yeah. there's some an kind expense of, attached yes. to it there's yes. always an expense attached to it yeah and also i'm thinking about going back to managing expect family expectations mm. why is it that um Parents have this idea, I'm a parent as well, but have this idea that the moment a child 
starts working, things are just going to look up. Like, why don't we think about the, like what the child is inheriting, you know? I'm thinking like um, in terms of where I come from, right? Mm -hmm. There's a big electricity problem, like there's, there's no electricity. We've got parents who live in the rural areas. So for all these years, whether there was an electricity problem or not, yes. they did not have electricity anyway because there was no electricity in the rural areas. Yes. Now that there's an electricity problem, so many people are getting generators and so many people are getting um, solar inverters. Yes. Now every parent is demanding it. And my question is, but you've been living like this for years. Yes. So why does it matter which now a neighbor has a generator? You also want a generator. Yes. So how do we manage the expectations of our parents? I think, you know, because it's almost like someone who's been holding their breath, waiting for that <laughs> moment when they can yeah. actually let go. So it, they do it prematurely, of course, because, like I said, if they don't understand the economies of, of money, they will just think that, you know, when your salary comes, they don't even realize that there's pay as you earn. Most of these parents, unless they've worked themselves, unless they've been in the labor market, yeah. don't know that yeah. um, there's something called pay as you earn. That as much as you went there and you negotiated maybe for that company to pay you, um, you know, a uh, gross of 25000 that you may take home 18000 Yeah. you know, yeah. or 17500 Yeah, yeah. So because they don't understand that, they will just think that, you are living it up with 25,000, for example. Yeah, yeah. And living the life. They also think that if you are staying somewhere, they don't think about the fact that and whether you are buying or renting, you are paying you have to a pay. portion to someone. Yeah. And on top of that, you live in an urban like you know area because that's where the job is, is located. Mm. So that means there's... You can't go and uh, saw, you know, wood and cook your food <laughs> on yeah. an open fire yeah. like they can, yeah. right? Yeah. You basically have to pay for electricity. electricity. Yeah. And that electricity, the price of it is not even determined by you. It's not you saying, this is how much I can pay for electricity, take it or leave it. It's dictated to by the person who gives you the electricity. Yeah. They don't understand about monopoly. They don't understand yeah. about those things that's why it's important for us to send the education back yeah we we may think that okay their brains are fraught because you know they haven't really um exercised them because you know a brain needs to be exercised in order to keep robust and to keep functioning and if you are in a situation where you barely use your brain like where you do things that are rote you know routine yeah. something that you do without thinking that can degrade, you know, the development of your brain, your astuteness, your ability to think critically about things. things yeah. So we have to bring them back to that level of thinking where they think about what it means to actually put life together, what it yeah. means, you know, to, to be able to live from day to day. To day. day yeah. That as much as they're not paying for the fuel of wood, they have to pay for the matches. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But the payment for that wood is that they have to physically go and chop it from wherever. Yeah. And bring it home. Yeah. And that they also have to mind that they don't over chop 
so that the trees can keep growing. Otherwise, you know, all of those things, they require, yeah, you know, some, for some, you to some engage kind of, yeah, your mind. Yeah. So we need to go back, you know, and now conscientize them on things about yeah. how it works in the, in, in the urban yeah. areas. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about black tax and marriage. I don't know what your experience has been, mm. but you find that two people get married. Yeah. Let's say one might be from maybe a very rich family, the other one might be from, I don't know if you call it middle class or if it's poor or whatever. And sometimes you find Duguti, there is one that needs to keep sending money back home and there is one that doesn't because yes. the parents are okay. Yes. How has black tax affected marriages? I think, um, firstly, it can affect a marriage if people go into the matrimonial institution without understanding what those institutions mean. Most people just go and get married. They don't understand that if you get married and you don't have an anti-nuptial contract, for example, that you are basically saying that you are taking on uh, whatever obligations that the other person Person comes with. So in terms of, let's say, this situation where you have the one... um, who's well off and has parents that are doing okay, that don't need um, any kind of maintenance, and they marry the other person, Mm. right? So that person, depending on how well they understand, you know, the consequences of a matrimonial regime, will either come and say, I want an nuptial contract, because they know they don't want (laughs) their own finances attached to your obligations that you're coming with. Or they are clueless, they don't know. So let's say in this case, they don't know. So they go in, you guys are automatically married in community of property. And now you are, you know, sending money and you're asking them, you know, to contribute, you know, to, to, to the money that goes to your family. Or you're yeah. sending more because you're saying, well, you work, you don't have to maintain your parents. Yeah. So I can send a bigger portion and you can yeah. take care of us. Yeah. And now it starts a financial, you know, yeah. uh, situation in the in, in, in your in marriage. Your marriage yeah. Because now yeah. this person is resentful of the fact that they have to take the bigger burden in the family in mm. order for you to, you know, to fulfill your own obligations with your family back back home. Yeah. And so I'm thinking about this whole concept of Ubuntu. Even the book is called Black Text Burden or Ubuntu. Yes. I think it's almost like the Ubuntu dictates that you have to take care of your parents and you have to take care of your in-laws. And I think that also brings resentment because, like you're saying, sometimes it's, you know, the scales are not balanced. There's one family that needs more and there's another family that needs less. So if I'm seen to be sending, let's say my family is the family that needs more than the other one. And I'm seen to be sending more to my family than to the other family. How that is received can also be, you know, a problem in the marriage because it's like, oh, so you're favoring your own people, but my people are getting way less. Why do we need to send money to your people anyway? So how do you balance black text and Ubuntu, or rather how do you balance Ubuntu and all these anti-nuptial contracts? Because in-laws don't care that you guys, between the two of you, sign some contract. Yes. To them, umakoti, we, they, they need to be taken care of, or umkwenyana, and they need to be taken care of. How do you balance that? I think, you know, with then you, we have to make sure that at least, you know, people understand what the consequences of anything mean. For example, if a if the family 
has a little bit more understanding about financial you know management and all mm. of that they'll be able to understand why it is that they can do with less but your family cannot cannot yeah because yeah. you know there's the haves and the have nots yeah. it's, it's not easy though to to, to explain it's it it's not i think it's not easy because of yeah. the fact that we we lack so much that understanding i mean if we were let's say in an ideal situation where this understanding was commonplace people understood what uh you know the different consequences of 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 having little or having more mm. were then you know people would stop comparing yeah and we also have this greed that people deal with some people are greedy to a point where they would rather have something and like someone would rather have i guess loads of money you know that's sitting and not doing anything yeah. and watch other people go hungry you yeah. know and suffer yeah. because you know they 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 enjoy this idea yeah. of having all this yeah. money yeah. you know and money is actually useless if you have it but it's not fulfilling its mission yeah if money isn't there to take care of people yeah then it's just pieces of it's paper yeah it's just yeah. pieces of paper yeah. and if you die today with all that money that you have guess what it it's not going to follow you to heaven and buy you yeah. a seat <laughs> and on the right hand side of of of, of yeah. god or the left hand side yeah if you are going to hell let's say you know if that's your your belief your belief system, system yeah you're going yeah. to hell anyway <laughs> yeah with or without the money with or without the money <laughs> Yeah. So the other thing that I, I want us to talk about is how black tax affects our our relationships and families with our siblings. Yes. So I I don't know if you've ever heard of this term omnigas wempupu, like the one who owns the millimill. Oh my gosh. The family. Well, I haven't heard of it, but I think I can already infer what the meaning is. Exactly, right? Yes. It's you know the one who owns things, who runs things in the home because you are the one with money you are the one that uh, takes care of the family so basically you are the one that's buying the millimill in this house. you're the breadwinner i would say omnigas wempupu is the breadwinner yes right and you are the one that whether you are the youngest or you are the oldest sibling if there is a funeral and you are not there that person will not be buried until you have say yes let's go ahead with the funeral you know what i mean yes. so everybody looks up to you because you are taking care of so much but then it it brings resentment within siblings because it's like i'm the older sibling why am i not being respected simply because i don't have money or simply because i'm not the breadwinner yes. then i am no longer respected what's your take on that yes i think you know the, it's because of the fact that people have um prized i guess money so much that it it's gone to that but i mean what can they do money is what feeds us it's what keeps us clothed and sheltered and you know um yeah basically it, it's what makes life less of a drudgery than if we had to go through life hungry and dealing with hunger yeah. pains right yeah. so now the family does not want to offend the breadwinner right because yeah. i mean if you get the breadwinner upset with you yeah. what's to stop them <laughs> stopping from stopping everything yes. yeah so the yeah. family is not is going to say well i mean we realize you know that we basically are treating 
zui unfairly you know we are making her feel small yeah because um you know dumelo her younger sister is the one you know that basically carries the purse strings around here so yeah. we need to i i, I really i, I don't want to use like a negative term but basically we need to endear ourselves to dumelo more yeah. than we do zui because if zui decides to leave home if Zui decides not to have anything to do with us. Yeah. We'll still be okay yeah. because Dumelo is there. Yeah. Taking care of us. We yeah. can eat. We have, you know, we we are warm and all of that. Now we yeah. make Dumelo upset. She walks away and you know, we have no food on the table. And Zui is there also, you know, not doing anything. We are going to look at her and be like, <laughs> you are even the reason, you know, Dumelo is not here. Yeah. Because we were yeah. trying to pander to your feelings. We were trying to <laughs> To stroke your yeah. ego, yeah. but yes, you know, Zui does not like the fact that you know. I mean, in terms of the family hierarchy, anyway, when we were growing up, that is how we were uh, socialized. That the older one, you know, must be respected by mm. the younger ones. When you're yeah. younger, you defer to your older person. Yeah. So then the older person also expects you, after being emancipated, to still defer to them. Yeah. And I mean, who wants to do the work and end the money and then yeah. give over the decision to someone, to someone else, else how that money should be spent? Exactly. Nobody wants that. No no one wants that. Yeah. Mm. It reminds me of a, a funny video clip that I recently saw on social media. So this kid, um, so the grandmother receives the social grant because of this child. Yes. So this child says to the uncle, I'm the breadwinner because... <laughs> The social grant is coming because of me. Yes. So the little boy has become, you know, umningas wempupu in that family. But yes. yeah. Anyway, the other thing that I wanted us to talk about is some someone sent me a voice note. Unfortunately, we won't be able to play it. Mm. But uh, someone called Will. She's she's on Twitter. She sent me a voice note, and one of the things that she was saying was that so black tax is when you are obligated to take care of your family. It's not out of love. It's not because you feel so strongly about them, but it's like an obligation. You just have to do it because you know that if you don't do it, things will go terribly wrong. And then she was also saying, Ubuntu, on the other hand, is you because you know you love your mother so much. You're like, oh, I have to take care of my mother. And you're doing it out of love. Is that your take of, of... Black text versus Ubuntu. I think that's hundred percent how I take black text. For example, with me personally, I say taking care of my mother yeah. is not black text. Yeah. But taking care of my mother's children is black text. Yeah. So that's that's how I see it. Yeah. And in taking care of my mother, I inadvertently have to take care of the children that live with her. So those ones who are not doing well, who are not able to be on their own. Yeah. will become the black text that comes with the Ubuntu that I'm yeah. doing, you yeah. know, because for me, the, the cycle of life is that, yes, you know, you you remember with that analogy, I was saying that it's an investment for the parent, the mom yeah. having the children so that later they have someone to take care of them. Yeah. I mean, they took care of you until you could take care of yourself. Yeah. And I mean, it's also, it should not be immediate that you have to take care of your, your parents, right? Because yeah. let's say, you know, in an ideal situation, uh, a parent is a parent from maybe, let's say, the age of 23 or tw- to 25, yeah. Yeah. right? So by the time your child is a, as an adult, you are in your 40s. Yeah. You are still, yeah, very, much still very much vital. Very, you're still working. Yeah. 
you know, and yeah. then you're living, you are able to take care of yourself. Yes. It's only when you get maybe to the age of 65 or 70 that yeah. you'll actually start needing, you know, uh, to be taken care of financially because you're not working anymore. You're not getting a constant income. Mm. You're living off of your pension, depending how well while you are working. Yeah. That you save for retirement. Yeah. So if yeah. you saved well for retirement, your child's care might be more, you know, emotional and uh, physical than it would be financial. Yeah. But you'd still be taking care of your parents. So even that time that you have to spend with them away from whatever you might want to do, mm. you're not going to feel that you are sacrificing anything. Yeah. But when you have to take care of your siblings, it's something you have to do. It's immediate because yeah. they need food then. If yeah. this one needs to go to university or needs to go to high school or needs yeah. school uniform, it's very much immediate. That's yeah. why it becomes... Because now you inherit an obligation from the time you start working, whereas if it was just a consequence of your parent, yeah. you would have had the time between to between your thing to get your life together, yes. to save, that by the time they are 70, you know, they, you, are, yeah. you are well off, you are okay, yeah. you know, you, yeah. even emotionally you don't begrudge anyone. Yeah. So one of the things that Will said in her clip was that uh, subject tax, whatever you want to call it, is not, is not something that is unique to one country. But in her experience, it's something that is affecting black people all, all over the world. And I was thinking about it as well when I was reading the book, because obviously the, the, most of the writers are South African. Yes. So obviously they are writing about their, exper their lived experiences yes. as South Africans. But for me, as someone who is not South African, I, I couldn't help thinking, wow, this is exactly the same as what is happening in my country. And I've seen this happening in so many other countries. So it's, it's a shared experience amongst all the black people. But when I'm thinking in particular about Africans in Africa, black Africans in Africa, my question becomes, have our, when, when we look at our political leaders, mm -hmm. have they failed us? Because right now the big news for Zimbabweans is that Robert Mugabe has died, right? And when you look at the reaction on social media, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of bitterness, there's a lot of, you know, people are like, this man, we are in this situation because of him. We are sending money home every month because of him. And people are like, our parents had pensions, but those pensions were rendered useless because of what he did and how the economy crumbled. Yeah. So do you think that our political leaders have let us down? Because even if you look at South Africa, the BEE scheme, is it really touching lives the way it was meant to touch lives, or is it meant for the few privileged ones? Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about BEE because I also feel it's a very sore yes, yeah. subject because yeah. number one is they created this concept or they created this obligation for the country, but they fail to actually implement it. You know, we have our leaders do that. Actually, probably maybe most governments do do that. They will have laws that govern how people need to behave and what is permissible and what is not. But the challenge is always the implementation. Mm. Because just because it's illegal for me to come into your house and take what you own, if I can do it without any consequences, what does that piece of paper that says it's illegal it's mean? It's meaningless. It means absolutely it's nothing. Yeah. So the implementation yeah. is a problem, and that's where our leaders fail us. Yeah. Because it, we, we can be told, we hear, you know, the news, anywhere, the, the people who know will say, 
the constitution of South Africa is one of the most advanced constitution. The legal, what, what is also, mm. you know, we've got one of those legal systems that are advanced. So meaning we've got laws that already have envisaged, have thought about all kinds of scenarios. And yeah. the law is fluid. It grows with, 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 I guess, with experience, with what happens. Because people will always find a loophole in a, in a, in a statute. Yeah. So because of that, then uh, the law becomes fluid. New statutes get enacted and statutes get, um, what is this, amended, mm. right? So our leaders never had our interests at heart to begin with. They were more... They had dreams of becoming, you know, I don't know, like the old ways. Maybe I, I'll make an example, Kashaka, you know, being able to lord over that many people, being feared. They were more about power and and yeah. control more than they were about um, preserving. Yeah. Like, it, it's, a, it's a foolish and a short-sighted thing because what matters to have power if eventually the people you have power over will demise. Yeah. Because if you're not taking care of the people yeah. you are lording over, yeah. when they are not there, yeah. who are you who having are you power to, over? Exactly. They don't yeah. think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the only reason I guess that, you know, they keep doing it and it's having little consequences is because as human beings, we have the survival, survival instinct yeah. that's innate in us. So if we're not surviving in this environment, we will find another environment where we think maybe our chances of survival are better. Yeah. So that means even if your leader is failing you, you'll still find a way to eat, yeah. find a way to, to breathe and to live, you know, and you'll still multiply, you'll yeah. still have children, they'll have children and all of that. Yeah. So then... Their con the consequences of what they do is never going to be, you know, uh, a jarring thing where they see that, hey, yeah. my people are all gone now. Yeah. So I'm all alone. I'm actually vulnerable because now I have nobody that I, I, I have power over. Power if people over. attack me, mm. I can't say, you go fight that person. Mm. You go do that. I must do everything myself. Yeah. They need that kind of wake-up call. I don't even know if it would work, but that's the kind yeah. of leadership, unfortunately, yeah. we something have Something needs here. to change. I think yes. the bottom line is something needs to change in our African politics. Otherwise, things like black tax will will forever be there and yes. they will forever be a sore issue for yes. us. So Ubuntu yeah. will, will, will basically get... Um, Diluted, yes, by by black tax. by black tax, yes. exactly, yeah, and also related to that, uh, Sue in the book, Sunyati in the book talks about um, the extended family. Yes, <laughs> I think all of us have an experience growing up as kids of either growing up in in someone else's home or having so many people coming to live with us as yes. part of the extended family, and. Again, the cycle continues. Now as adults, we find ourselves having to take care of our parents, of our siblings, and cousins, and cousins of cousins, and uncles, yes. and, 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 and we keep getting reminded that remember when you were growing up, these people did this for us. Remember when we were growing up, this one time we didn't have school fees for you, and that auntie helped you. At what point does it stop? I don't, I don't think it will... Well, that sort of... It's, it's like the way... 
it's almost like the structure or the components of what makes a black family. We are, I don't know, should I call it communal? Yeah. We basically, yeah. Um, black families are not um, content to be isolated. Or basically, if you have a family of five children, those children aren't going to go off and they might live their life separate from you, but they still want the connection. So they'll still yeah. come back home yeah. to come and socialize with their brothers yeah. and sisters' families and the parents and the grandparents and the cousins and the one. Mm. It's 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 the nature it's of who how, we are. how we are. Yeah. So we are not yeah. like white people, you yeah. know, who choose, I guess, you know. I mean, I understand that you can have a homeless brother or sister as a white person. And it means absolutely nothing to you yeah. because you are fine. They are okay. A black yeah. person isn't going to drive down the street, see their brother banging on the street, and ignore. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not it's, in us. It's not going to happen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, in conclusion, so Mzuvu Yile Matwetuga in the book says that we must stop referring to it as black tax and start referring to it as collective family responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. I was like, hmm, okay. It if I'm thinking very of, romantic. It does. If I'm thinking of my mother and my father and my immediate siblings, okay, fine, collective family responsibility. But now if you are bringing all those other cousins and cousins, cousins, I'm like, Look, yes, and I remember know. you cannot stop people from reproducing, if I can say. <laughs> exactly. So you, yeah. you're taking care of your sister, but your sister is has a child or your brother has a child. Yeah. Now you've got two mouths to feed. And if your sister has another child, that makes it three. Down yeah. the line, while you're still taking care of them, your sister becomes a grandmother. And if that child <laughs> who now has a child is still... It's, in a bad position. It continues, yeah. Yes. yeah. And I think even in the beginning of the book when, when um, Dudu was giving the example of the two sisters, Lindile and I can't remember what the other name was, yes. how the one sister lives at home with her kids and the other sister lives by herself, but she's taking care of the family. So the one that has money resents this one that has got her kids at home because yes. she's saying, I have to take care of you and take care of your kids. Yes. Like I've, I need to have my own life. Yes. And then this one that's living at home is also like, oh, this one, she thinks she's got money. Yeah, now she, she thinks she can tell us what to do. What to do. But well, I'm taking care of your kids. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. crazy. I think, yes, we are, we are in the situation that we are in. We need to accept it not fight it yeah you know let's not fight uh black text but let's remember also that we have the choice you know you have the choice to say no and you also have the choice to manage yeah you can say okay mama this is what i'm going to contribute toward the household how you guys you know um manage with that it's going to be up to you what sacrifices you have to make so it's not going to be that I've given you this much and then halfway through the month, now you're asking me, you're saying you want money for uh, cooking oil, you want money for this because you failed to manage, to manage. the finances, which is exactly why they need to understand yeah. what it means, you know, to work with money. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that was quite a conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. 
Remember to subscribe to the podcast on, I think, on all the platforms and also on the YouTube channel. Please subscribe. And if there are commercials, as you are watching, watch the commercials, guys. Don't skip over them. It's very important. Uh, the producer told me to say that it's not coming from me. <laughs> but make sure that you do that. And um, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for liking. Thank you for all the comments. And thank you for all the love on social media. And as always, a big thank you to the S3 Media team for making all of this possible. We truly appreciate it. And until next week, have a great week. And ladies, please be safe. Men, don't beat women. Thank you. Bye.